Good morning. Would you stand and sing with us? You are the most glorious. 
Would you pray with us? Dear God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for another opportunity that we can come together in this place and worship you. We pray that you would open our hearts and our minds today so that we can receive the word and focus on the message. In Jesus' name, amen.
We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. And He's coming back again. He's coming back again. We believe. We believe. Would you turn and greet one another? That's the way to start a worship service. Thank you all so much for coming this morning. If you woke up this morning and you saw it was cold and kind of rainy and you thought, hmm, wonder if I should go, yes. The answer is yes. It's always yes. We're going to have something fun and uh, helpful and meaningful, and uh, we're going to learn more about ourselves and about God if you come and gather with us. Let me show you our um, slides for our um, five practices as we go through our announcements. Uh, the logos were provided by our own Rochelle Foster. And you will now see them, if you picked up the newsletter, uh, anybody who has it, you'll see, and make sure you grab one on your way out if you didn't, you'll see that just about every article has a logo attached to it, if not more than one. Um, because each of those events sometimes have crossover, and we want to get these um, in your mind. So let's look at radical hospitality. Um, last week, I was under the impression with the way the calendar was falling that last Sunday was your last Sunday to make dinner reservations. Um, it's not. Uh, this Sunday is your last Sunday to make dinner reservations. So if you would like to come to the Wednesday dinner, it's $8 for adults and $6 for children. It's uh, honey-baked ham for adults and mini hamburgers and cheeseburgers for children. Adults are $8 and children are $6. Um, Aaron has brought a program to each dinner, which has um, been a pretty neat thing, and this program is uh, pretty significant. There is a cost to it. It's um, $15 for your family to participate, but you will make a wreath together. Um, so if you would like to do that, make sure that you sign up on the attendance register that goes by or um, email Beth at our church or Aaron at our church, any of us really, um, for radical hospitality. Um, passionate worship is significant to us, and part of our announcements for that today is um, thanking Elmore House. If you all exclusively attend this service, you might not see Elmore. He's one of our most interesting members. You're talking about, a, um, he's not an engineer, um, but he's, you know, he's got that brain. And he also is a beekeeper, and he also is a craftsman. And he made the um, uh, nativity scene that's in the hallway that you will see uh, in the back of the sanctuary if you happen to come to Christmas Eve or go to the traditional service. Uh, so make sure that you notice that. Um, also regarding worship, we have one. We have a Christmas Eve service, 5.30, in the sanctuary. We have one Christmas Day service. It's a Sunday at 10 a.m. 
in the sanctuary. We have one New Year's Day service at 10 a.m. It's in the sanctuary. So for the outside of the normal services, if you're thinking, now where is that again? It's in the sanctuary. This particular time, it's in the sanctuary um, due to a number of different factors. So um, we hope that you'll join us. Um, we believe in intentional faith development. And we're looking at two things, one thing that will give us two ends um, uh, in terms of Sunday school. If you go to a regular Sunday school class next week, you're going to see a sheet that says something very simple. Um, many, we've ordered books for Sunday school classes for decades, probably. Um, we wonder if we're using as many books as we're ordering. We also wonder about the cost of those books that we are using. And we can produce free Sunday school lessons that tie directly to the worship service. So if your class should choose to want to keep those books, we'll certainly order them for you. And on that form, it will say, how many do you actually need? Because if we're ordering 31 books for 14 participants, seven of which take the book home with them, we're being goofy. If we're ordering 24 books for 24 participants who take them home, that'd be great. There will also be a slot that says, would you like to get the free materials that our staff can produce based on what's coming up in the worship service? And if your class is um, up for that, if you'll just check that. Um, extravagant generosity. Um, pledge cards have been out for two weeks now. Our numbers are tremendous um, for the pledges that we've gotten in. We thank you so much for your generosity. Um, if you uh, have yet to fill out one, and it is your practice to fill out one, uh, we encourage you to do that. Um, we have pledge cards in the um, back, and we also, you can get one from the church office. Um, just, that's just uh, vital to helping us um, get ready for the next year. So in terms of timing, as you've gone through each of our five practices, I think it's important now to call forward the people who want to join our church. We've talked with a number of them um, for a number of weeks, if not months, and the people who are um, coming forward are going to join our church this morning. I have simple questions for them. And if you look at what happens in the worship service today, you'll see about their commitment to already participating, which is tremendous. So, quite simply, will you support Memorial and the United Methodist Church in their efforts to offer Christ to our community and to our people in this campus? Will you try to exhibit um, radical hospitality, passionate worship, intentional faith development, risk-taking mission and service, and extravagant generosity? Congregation, Will you support them in your efforts and reaffirm your commitment to do both of those things as well? If you do say, we do. Hmm, it's a big day. Welcome. I'm so grateful to have you. And we'll see all of them in worship. Our newest people will be going through our newest process that we're creating of developing a true community among our um, newest people and uh, learning about the five practices. So um, you'll hear more about that as it comes along. And um, we're so grateful to each of you um, who want to join our church. And uh, now we have the liturgy from our two of our newest members here at Memorial. Second Sunday of Advent, peace. Uh, Psalms 85, 8 through 10. Let me hear what the good God of God, God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace to his people, to his faithful, to those who turn to him in their hearts. 
Surely his salvation is at hand to those who fear him with his glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love, faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Can you hear it? God's word is coming. A voice cries out and declares the promise of peace. Things are going to even out in the world. Today we light the candle of peace. Our peace comes from God. Our ushers have prayer cards that they'll share with you if you would like to share a prayer concern with our church and our Tuesday prayer group. So if you would raise your hand if you'd like to share a prayer card with our church, if you'll just print legibly. Um, uh, Usher will bring you a card and then you can fill it out and uh, we'll be praying for you this week. Um, let's pray together. Gracious God, it's a special day today. A day in your house where we have rain outside and we're so grateful for it. We also consider those who do not have shelter this morning. We ask that you help us through our generosity to find ways to help everyone possible in this community. We thank you for those who are willing to join our family and help us in our effort to reach this community. We thank you for the response of the people who participate regularly in this church to welcome as many people as want to join us. We thank you for the table this morning that we will share. Remind us of the shortcomings that we experience on a daily basis when we confess our sins. Remind us of your overpowering grace that can fill us and lead us to your way. And as we hear a story of a man who never speaks but has a significant role, remind us of Joseph and his commitment to your son, his son. And in all things, help us to honor and glorify you as we pray the prayer your son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Uh, Jimmy. Um, we depend entirely on um, natural light. Could you give me one more um, roll of lights? Thank you. One time I yelled out for Adam, and he was right there. He was right in front of me. I said, Adam. We're looking at Matthew chapter 1, verses uh, 18 to 24. And it may fade out the screen a little bit, but the trade-off is you'll get a little more me, right? So everybody, you know, everybody wins. 
This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So let's look at your first phrase. The trouble with expectations. There are um, college football programs and NFL teams right about now who are looking to fire someone. And they're looking to fire them because they had an expectation in July or August of what was going to happen. Of course, that expectation has so little to do with all of the surrounding things that swirl around a program or around an entire um, all of the NCAA or all the NFL, but people think, this is where I think we should have been, and I don't think we're there, so I think you ought to go. Whereas if that same team and that same coach had had an expectation of, you know what, I think we got some better people, I think we're on our way, but I think uh, just making progress would be a reasonable goal. Likely that person is staying. It's hard to determine. Sometimes expectations are misinformed in any uh, uh, environment, business, church, work, family. And um, a lot of the discussions that I have with couples is what they figured the other person was thinking or saying. Y'all ever see that? You ever see that in work? You figure what another person in the office was thinking or saying. Then you make a determination of what you're going to do based on what you figured they were thinking or saying. And then everybody gets sort of twisted and say, how in the world did we get here? Sometimes expectations are severely misinformed. Sometimes they are um, self-centered. I thought that this was going to work out for me. I thought that I was going to get a little more authority. I thought I was going to get a little more money. I thought that I was going to have this opportunity. And people really, really can misbehave when their expectations are not met. Uh, my father-in-law was a uh, um, controller at a major uh, uh, textile company, and he said 99% um, of problems are communication. 99%. And there's probably something going on with that other 1% that has to do with communication. But we didn't properly say to one another, this is what we figure is going to happen. Expectations cause us to be rigid. This is what I was expecting, and this is what needs to happen, period. They cause us to be impatient. I thought we were going to be a lot further along by now. I thought we were going to make way more progress by this point than we did uh, to this point. They cause us to be angry. I didn't get what I wanted, and guess what? Somebody's going to have to pay in one way or another. So what do you think Joseph's expectations were? I'm about to get married. Is that a big enough deal? Yeah. Um, and we don't know whether he was a contemporary of Mary at some age, or we don't know if he was a good bit older. You know why? There's so little about him. There's so little written about him, and he said so little, but he played such a critical part. What do you think he thought? We're going to get married. It's a big deal. Uh, all of a sudden, my life's going to change in this format. Uh, actually, um, I'm going to have a baby, too. And, and actually, it isn't, it isn't our baby. Excuse me? 
and it's the Son of God. It's going to be the Messiah. He's going to redeem all human history. What's that? Uh, if you told me that I was going to have a baby, well, we were going to have a baby. Uh, in, uh, we have a nice house. I have a nice job. I have health benefits. We have structure. We understand raising children. I, we've got a pretty good feel for that. That would be a 10 out of 10 freakout, officially. Imagine him, before he's married, hearing that this is going to happen and the implications of what's going to happen. It's life-threatening to everyone involved. It's um, not a sweet lullaby moment. It's a this-could-cost-every-one-of-us-our-lives moment. And so he says, I'm just going to um, divorce her quietly. He has total power as the male in that environment, especially if he's an older male. And he's trying to do the most human, most friendly, uh, saving her life sort of thing. But he's pondering. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Pretty crazy dream. What's the craziest dream you've had lately? I dreamed that I was given a finance report to this church on the top of a double-decker bus in New York City in the rain. What does that say? <laughs> I'm thinking that's my brain saying, um, you know, there's a whole lot swirling, and there's a whole lot of distractions, and there seem to be instances in which we're pulling against the wind here, and we're trying to do what we're trying to do. You know, we're so close here, I promise. We're so close. And I keep saying that to myself and to my family and to my staff, and I really believe it. But whew, sometimes it feels like we are on the second no cover on the top of a second-story bus trying to communicate. His dream is an angel telling him, oh, no, it's fine. It's going to be fine. And he's going to do something more significant than you can possibly dream. So your second phrase is reacting versus responding. Or perhaps, yeah, reacting versus responding. Y'all have done both of these things. It has to do with your fatigue level. It has to do with the people involved. It has to do with your tolerance at that moment. Sometimes somebody does something and you react, verbally, physically, emotionally. There's got to be some other ways. And sometimes they do and you step back and you go, okay, what was the root of what that crazy thing that they just did? Let me try to understand it. Let me try to understand the entire situation, and let me try to respond to what they just said and what they did in the midst of all this that's swirling around. Let me give you some biblical examples, Cain and Abel. One had an, uh, an offering, the other one had an offering. For some reason, God said one was good, and the other one said, hmm, I'm going to punch you then. That's reacting. The disciples were feeding 5,000 people plus, it's 5,000 men, Jesus is teaching, everybody's paying attention, 
Everybody thinks it's great, except the disciples who said, we do not have enough to eat. This is not good. They got to go. They see a situation and they react to it. It's a problem. And you know what? I have a, here, I have more of a sense of that than I've ever had before. And that's because of what we just did with the dinner after Consecration Sunday. All of the freak out of the tables and the chairs and making sure that we had enough and the food and all that. I mean, for good reasons. But if we had 450 people that day and we had 320 seats, I think this is officially the worst thing I've done in 18 months. It would be, it's knee buckling to have that concern as an event planner. They reacted and said, Jesus, you got to get them out of here. They got to go. Joseph in Genesis, the youngest of the brothers, said, um, you know, I had a dream that I'm pretty special. And his older brothers, as older brothers tend to do, said, hmm, how about we throw you in a well and we see how special you are. He was sold into slavery. He was thrown in the dungeon. He interpreted dreams for another person thrown in the dungeon on the king's or the uh, pharaoh's chief or whatever, chief of staff. He interprets those dreams. Pharaoh has dreams. He says, oh, I've had the craziest dreams. And that guy remembers, oh, there's a guy actually down in prison who can interpret those. He calls him up to the court. He interprets the dreams. He's one of the most powerful men on the planet when his brothers come looking for food. And what does he do? Punch him like uh, uh, the first guys? No. Tell him to turn away because we don't have enough? No. He knows for a fact that he's in this place. He's got this opportunity to respond to their anger, their greed, their judgment, their throwing down in the well and selling him into slavery. He responds. Joseph is responding to this situation. So am I going to um, tell you, I want you to bat a thousand on responding. Mm -mm. No, I don't think that's a reasonable recommend, uh, reasonable expectation. Hall of Fame. Uh, baseball players get it right 38% of the time. What if we were shooting for that? Do you all respond 38% of the time or do you respond less than that? Do we react 90% of the time or can you cut that down a little bit? Joseph is leading the way in this season of responding. Verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded and took Mary home as his wife. So let's go, um, let's go back one, Ken, and one more. Verse 22 is something that Matthew does over and over and over and over more than any other gospel, because his intent is to tie everything that Jesus did, including his birth and um, uh, entrance into this world, back to every prophet who has ever been. When people think, um, well, we got the gospels now, we don't really need the Old Testament, we're good. We got Jesus, we don't need those laws. Jesus is not the antithesis of everything that ever happened in the Old Testament. What Matthew is saying to an audience that has grown up hearing these stories is, you know all the times you heard that this person was coming? 
He's here. That text is actually from Isaiah when uh, the city was being besieged. And one of the greatest things that you could show was to be having children in this moment. New life is coming in the midst of this brokenness. So very similar. In a time when um, the people are oppressed, the Romans are occupying their place, they have no authority but the authority the Romans give them, give them. Their neighbors are taxing them far beyond more than they should. And they're looking for a Messiah. Not, really, they kind of want one with a big sword. It's going to take them all out. Like our favorite guy movies. But it's coming in a peaceful way through a couple you'd never expect with a message you'd never expect as the fulfillment of everything that's ever been said. So that circles us back around to expectations. Is this the way the people of Israel expected this to happen? No. No, they, no. This, is, this sounds crazy. But one of the great gifts that the Gospel of Matthew gives us, the author, is chapter 1. If you went, and it's not there, sorry. If you, uh, if you went to chapter 1 and you Googled every name, in chapter 1, son of this, son of that, son of this, son of that, son of this, son of that, you'd see some broken people who were on this part of society, this part of society, this part of society. Most all of them broken. Most all of them used as an instrument in what God wanted to do. So, as you're thinking, how is this world going to be redeemed? How am I going to help redeem this world you'll start to form expectations. If you start to think, how is Memorial going to operate in this community? How are we going to talk to one another? How are we going to organize our worship services, our mission, our uh, communication? You'll build expectations. Make sure they are joyful, open-handed ones. Not rigid, misinformed, looking out for yourself ones. You know what the good news is? I've seen 18 months of evidence of people saying, what do we need to do to make it happen? What do we need to do? You, just, what do we, you tell us. And I say, well, here's the thing, but y'all tell me how to do it. Lots of tremendous progress in 18 months. And we've got an opportunity before us to be like Joseph and respond rather than react to what God is trying to do in our lives. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your patience. We thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for your trust in us to make us instruments of your peace. Help us by our actions and our words to teach others your way, your love, your truth. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Please stand and join me in our modern affirmation. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is all over His works and whose will is directed to His children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope, 
and the promise of God fulfilled. We believe in the Holy Spirit as a divine presence in our lives, reminding us always of the truth of Christ, our inspiration and strength in times of joy and sorrow. We believe our faith should be apparent in our words of love and acts of service, that the kingdom of God may be a present reality here on earth. I'm going to invite you to remain standing for the first part of the liturgy that you'll find on the screen. Christ our Lord invites to His table all who love Him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved You with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church, we have not done Your will. We have broken Your law. We have rebelled against Your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Two critical elements of any worship service. Recognizing the fact that we have fallen short and recognizing the fact that God's love and grace extends far beyond that and gives us a new opportunity. Come with your hands open to the table that we can understand God's will for us. If you offer one another signs of reconciliation and peace, and then please be seated. Speaking of expectations, those disciples in that room, after everything that they'd been through with Jesus, would have never expected that it would have led there. And they would have wondered if they had made a tremendous mistake by joining him. One of them was about to betray him and turn him in. And to all those people who had all those concerns, including the one that was going to start the end of it, he offered bread. And he said, take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Very common elements with a very significant purpose and meaning to them. After the dinner was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to God, gave it to his disciples and said, take this. This is my blood of the new covenant. This is language that they are accustomed to hearing for centuries of a new covenant and blood attached to it, but it was an animal. He's saying, I'm with you. I'm going to sacrifice for you. And I offer this to you as a new opportunity to participate in my covenant. It's now time for our offering. And if you would like to give online or um, text to give, you'll notice that in your bulletin. Thank mm -hmm. you. 
What can I give to you? What can I offer to a king for all the love you've shown? For all your mercy over me, I called your name, you heard my cry. of salvation My hope is built on nothing less Morning by morning How great is your faithfulness I called your name You heard my cry
Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for saving me. I'm going to call those forward who are helping, assisting with uh, serving communion. We couldn't find the big one. I'm sorry. <laughs> In the United Methodist Church, all who want to come forward for communion are welcome to do so. We serve by intinction, which means uh, you'll come forward um, down the middle and to the outside uh, with uh, cupped hands, and one server will give you a piece of bread and say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. You take that piece of bread and dip it into the cup, and the server with the cup will say, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. In the midst of total brokenness, Jesus offered this covenant and changed the expectations of those people in that room from that day forward all the way till we are serving it today. Come forward with open hands, open hearts, and an open and willing spirit to be served by God. The table's open. transgressions he was crushed for our sins the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds by his wounds we are healed we are healed by your sacrifice and the life that
Let us pray together. Lord, we thank You for a common table. We thank You for Your willingness to serve. Help us to make every opportunity we have this week around a table an opportunity for reconciliation, for love, for purpose. Help us to respond this week, Lord, in Your name. Amen. Would you please stand and sing this last one with us?
It's good to have the drums back. Jimmy, Jimmy was uh, sick for a little while. We're grateful that you're back in our family. Glad you're back. Thank you all who participated today. If you um, join the church today, if you'll come um, right over here so that we can get a nice picture, y'all will learn more about them in the email and in the newsletter, next month's um, newsletter that comes out. Make sure that you grab it. Does anybody have any idea what the parade policy is on a rainy day? Wow, is that right? Rain or shine. So um, I'm going to try to be friendly in the parking lot if it's raining to people and see how that goes. Thank you all so much for uh, joining us. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen. Our God is fighting for us all.